understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hey wrestling fans, thanks once again for joining me on this new episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, episode number 64. You're already here listening, but be sure to subscribe. We're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Podcoin, and 10 other outlets that you're sure to be able to find, such as Spreaker and Google Podcasts. Share with your friends, as we're available everywhere. Also, be sure to join me on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling, where we celebrate wrestlers' birthdays and talk about everything wrestling-related. You can always contact me by sending me a message directly through Facebook, on Twitter, at Scumbags Canada, and by emailing me, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. The show, we're going to look back at some of the activity last weekend with Smash Wrestling with Orange is the New Smash, Nights 1 and 2. Look forward to the calendar, including Dresden this weekend and Smash Week in Toronto during SummerSlam weekend. Going to look at the G1 for New Japan. All Elite Wrestling has Fight for the Fallen, Evolve 10th Anniversary show on WD Network, look back at Raw and SmackDown, plus preview and predict WD Extreme Rules happening also this weekend. It's a busy week, a lot of things going on, we'll be right back after this short message. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. 
You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rustic Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. Yo, this is Tarek. You're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. Hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome back to the show. Hopefully you joined Chris Maloney from The Sharpshooter and myself on Facebook Live or saw it at a different time on Sunday as we ran down everything that happened this past weekend in wrestling, including Orange is the New Smash, night number one in Toronto. This was just before going to Orange is the New Smash, night number two, at the London Music Hall here in London. We ran down the results from night number one. If you were not able to join us at that time and have not seen the video on our Facebook page, here are the results. Halal Beefcake beat The Pillars and Maritimes Most Wanted. Sebastian Suave beat Marcus Burke. Mike Rollins beat Orange Cassidy in a match that has been described as a must-see once it debuts on the Fight Network. And Kevin Bennett retained the Smash Wrestling Championship over the muscle. As far as the Tag Team Invitational Tournament went, Sabotage had to replace the Untouchables who were injured prior to coming this way to Toronto. So they ended up going against the Renegades and beat them to move on to the finals. Killscreen beat Super Reversos, and TDT beat Philly and Marino Experience, and it turned into a brawl. Those three teams, Sabotage, Killscreen, and TDT, advanced to the finals at the London Music Hall for night number two of Orange is the New Smash. That started off with the debut of Tyson Dukes' son, Ethan Dukes. Ethan has come a long way since he first stepped foot into the ring at Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, and the hard work has definitely paid off as he ended up beating another Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory student in Sing Bassey. Then the main show started, and it was Tarek taking on Joe Coleman of Halal Beefcake. Idris Abraham was at ringside with him, but it wasn't enough to stop Tarek from picking up the victory over Joe Coleman. Up next were two more students from the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, Jordan James and Alec Realm, with their newly formed tag team called The Revolt taking on Maritime's Most Wanted. Maritime's Most Wanted did a lot of showboating and dancing and also took advantage of the upstarts in Jordan James and Alec Realm. However, it wasn't enough, and the new tag team of the Revolt did end up winning over Maritime's Most Wanted. Unfortunately, they were attacked then by Carter Mason, who wanted to send a message to Tyson Dukes, as he felt disrespected by being left behind after the Northern and having Tyson challenge his friend Jason Kincaid instead to go against each other at Super Showdown 7 next month. 
course, we've found out that that's now going to be a triple threat match, but Carter still feels a little left out and wanted to send a message to Tyson and told him by the end of the night he would have his attention. The next matchup was the Gauntlet Elimination match. It was a mixture of the Royal Rumble with eliminations by pinfall or submission. There was nine people involved with the match, including Holden Albright, Kyle Boone, Jody Threat, Marcus Burke, Chris Mitchells, Jim Strider, The Pharaoh, Muscle, and the eventual winner, Violet Lee. When Chris and I did our predictions for this match, I had picked Jim Strider to get it, but he was correct in picking Violet Lee to win the match. The next matchup was the finals of the Tag Team Invitational Tournament with Sabotage, Killscreen, and TDT all battling out for this year's winner of the Tag Team Tournament. I was definitely impressed by TDT in my first ever appearance live with them and wow they just are hard hitting but also very high flying at the same time and as I said definitely very impressed by them they end up eliminating sabotage first and it was down to kill screen and TDT just when it looked like TDT was going to end up winning a bunch of kill screen followers ended up rushing the ring and attacking TDT. Kill screen ended up getting the victory and were this year's winners. They're going to receive a tag team title shot against Halal Beefcake at Super Showdown next month. Before heading into intermission, we ended up getting to see Cody Diener against Orange Cassidy. Before the match could start, Anthony Kingdom James and Sebastian Suave came out. They felt disrespected that they were going to have a match against each other without Sebastian Suave. Kingdom said he was going to make it a triple threat match, whether they liked it or not. Orange Cassidy really didn't care, and when Diener was asked, well... He decided to answer with a punch to Suave's mouth after he handed Orange Cassidy his beer to hold on to. He also took out Anthony Kingdom James. After Suave was taken care of, that's when the comedy began as Orange Cassidy would not give back Diener his beer. Eventually, Cassidy handed the beer over to the referee and Diener took him down with a shoulder block, but the referee would not count as he was holding the beer and could not get down to make the count. Diener took the beer back, and Suave got rid of it. There was more comedy spots, including Cassidy's hands in his pocket constantly and Suave taking him out, plus the signature moves of Orange Cassidy with the kicks and chops if that's what you want to call it and you can see some of the highlights on our facebook page over at scumbags wrestling podcast in the end suave ended up sneaking out the victory over orange cassidy and cody diener after the intermission we started off with 
Tyson Dukes taking on the other half of Halal Beefcake in Idris Abraham. Joe Coleman was at ringside with Idris, but his interference was caught and he was removed from ringside by the referee. Idris put up a good fight, but it wasn't enough to hold off Tyson Dukes. After the match, Dukes was on the microphone and then was stopped by Carter Mason, who was backstage and it appeared that he had taken out Ethan with a chair shot. Tyson quickly left the ring to go after Carter Mason. Next was Kevin Bennett defending the Smash Wrestling Championship against Psycho Mike Rollins. Bennett tried to not have to defend his championship. Bennett tried to get out of defending the championship, saying that he'd already defended it once and doesn't need to again until Super Showdown, and even pointed out that rule in the book. And the referee had the rule book and found it to be true. Mike Rollins, on the other hand, knew that three pages later, there was another rule in the book that if Kevin Bennett was acting like a bitch, he had to defend his title. And sure enough, it was deemed that Kevin Bennett was acting like a bitch and had to defend his championship against Psycho Mike. At one point, Mike's conscience got involved, but it actually wasn't Mike's conscience. It was... Halal Beefcake, trying to pretend to be Mike's conscience and nearly cost him the match. When Mike realized it, he tried to take out Bennett. Since their plan didn't work, Halal Beefcake came down ringside to distract Mike Rollins, and it was enough as Kevin Bennett picked up the victory to retain the Smash Wrestling Championship. The show ended with Tarek coming out to attack Kevin Bennett and Halal Beefcake as Tarek wants to get his Smash Wrestling Championship back. It was later announced that the next time Smash Wrestling comes to London in August, provided Kevin Bennett is still champion, he will have to defend it against Tarek. There's no rest for Smash Wrestling as this Saturday, July 13th, Smash Wrestling returns to Dresden it's there to support the Junior Kings hockey team. It's at the Ken Houston Memorial Agriculture Center in Dresden, Ontario. With doors opening at 5 o'clock, first bell at 6. Just like London was the debut of Ethan Dukes, Dresden will be the debut of Wallaceburg's own Frankie War as he makes his pro wrestling debut against Alec Realm. Other matches scheduled to happen... In Dresden includes Psycho Mike Rollins taking on John Greed. Physical Attraction, Muscle and Violet Lee taking on Jody Threat and Sebastian Suave. Cody Diener is going to take on Ricky James. Super K against Scotty O'Shea. Plus a huge main event with the Pillars, Tyson Dukes, Tarek, and Brent Banks taking on the team of the Kevin Bennett experience, Kevin Bennett and Halal Beefcake, Joe Coleman, and Idris Abraham. Tickets are still available, and you can get more information from their Facebook page, and you have an opportunity to still sit in the Scumbags Wrestling section 
as I have a pair of tickets available. You can get a pair of front row VIP tickets in the Scumbags Wrestling section for just $50. Contact me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com or on our Facebook page with a direct message to me. Then on Sunday, July 21st, Smash Wrestling returns to the Tannery Event Center in Kitchener, Ontario for New Kids on the Block. It's going to feature a lot of talent that are new to Smash Wrestling, including the Smash Wrestling debut of Corey Stone as he takes on Brent Banks. Psycho Mike Rollins will take on PWA star Joey Allen. Physical Attraction, Muscle and Violet Lee will again face off against Jody Threat and Sebastian Suave. Aiden Ray returns to Kitchener to take on the debuting heavyweight Jake Jones. The Revolt, Alec Realm and Fireball Jordan James will take on two of the pillars in Tyson Dukes and Tarek, two former Smash Wrestling champions. Super K will challenge Kevin Bennett for the Smash Wrestling Championship. It all happens at the Taste of the Tannery, the Tannery Event Center in Kitchener, Ontario, Sunday, July 21st. Then after that, it's Smash Week in Toronto, leading up to SummerSlam weekend. Smash Wrestling is taking over the Midtown Event Theater and hosting eight different shows over four days with a lot of different organization as partners, including on August 7th at 4 p.m., OWE Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. On August 7th, Smash Wrestling takes on Progress Wrestling at 8 p.m. On that card, you're going to see Tarek taking on Jordan Devlin, Jody Threat against Tony Storm. Paul Robinson will be competing along with Travis Banks. Psycho Mark Rollins is going to take on Trent Seven. Casey Spinelli goes one-on-one -on -one against Jordan Grace. The Pillars, Tyson Dukes and Brent Banks, will take on Aussie Open. And Kevin Bennett will take on current NXT UK champion Walter. On August 8th at 4 p.m., WXW presents Ambition 11. Also on August 8th at 8 p.m., Progress Wrestling will have their own individual show. August 9th at 4 p.m., WXW, Westside Extreme Wrestling, will have another show. Then, on August 9th at 8 p.m., it's Super Showdown 7. The Super Showdown 7 card is shaping up really nicely as they're going to present the main event from the Canusa Classic in a rematch with Lufisto taking on Jordan Grace. Anthony Kingdom James has demanded to see a more aggressive and violent side of Sebastian Zwab. Meanwhile, Rosemary has been looking to avenge the loss she took two years ago that drove her out of Smash Wrestling for a while. Both have an appetite for destruction, so what better stage than Super Showdown 7? 
A huge grudge match has also been signed as the Blade returns to Super Showdown to face off against the man who tried to drive him away, his former tag team partner in the well-oiled machines, Psycho Mike Rollins. The pillars of Brent Banks and Tarek take on the dream team of Walter and Sakamoto. As said earlier, Carter Mason has refused to be snubbed by Tyson Dukes. After calling him out for a rematch at the Northern, Dukes instead challenged his friend Jason Kincaid to face him at Super Showdown. Mason hasn't stopped requesting an opportunity at Dukes, and since Smash Wrestling doesn't want to wait either, Kincaid has informed Smash as well that he's looking forward to the biggest possible challenge in August and suggested that it be a triple threat match. So Jason Kincaid, Tyson Dukes, and Carter Mason will all go at it in a triple threat match. And as a result of winning the Northern Tournament, Mike Bailey will challenge Kevin Bennett for the Smash Wrestling Championship. That's Friday night, August 9th at 8 p.m., the Midtown Event Theater in Toronto. Then on August 10th at 9 a.m. in the morning, you won't want to miss the Summit, a women's pro wrestling event featuring Smash Wrestling, Rise, Femme Fatales, and Shimmer. Four companies, one goal, collaboration to showcase the best women's professional wrestling at one event. You do not want to miss the Summit, August 10th in Toronto. First thing in the morning, there'll be a formal meet and greet prior to the event, beginning at 9 a.m., Wrestlers appearing on the card later that day will be accessible during the meet and greet where photos, autographs, and assorted merchandise items will be available for purchase. Plus, one of the true icons in professional wrestling, the legendary Bull Nakano, will be a part of the meet and greet. If you are at the meet and greet, there will be at least two live matches featuring several up-and-coming competitors. Already signed is a tag team bout pitting Jody Threat and Mary Lee Rose against Alexia Nicole and Maeve Farrell. And then at 11 o'clock is the summit itself. Here is the complete card that you can see if you're in attendance. Dust takes on Delmi Exo. Vita Scott against Ashley Vox. Delilah Doom against Shotzi Blackheart. A fatal four-way match featuring cheerleader Melissa, Allison Kay, Lufisto, and Priscilla Kelly. A first-ever Smash Wrestling Women's Championship will be crowned as Casey Spinelli takes on Rosemary. The Phoenix Arise Championship will be on the line as Zoe Lucas defends against Ariel Monroe. Femme Fatale's Championship is on the line as Mercedes Martinez defends against Jordan Grace. And Shimmer Championship match features Nicole Savoy defending against Nicole Matthews. It all starts at 11 o'clock at the Midtown Event Theater in Toronto. Wrapping up Smash Week in Toronto on August 10th at 3 p.m. at the Midtown Event Theater is OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, as they put on their last show with nothing but pride and a huge ego on the line. One of the pillars of Smash Wrestling, Sebastian Suave, looks to prove 
He's a better man and bigger star against OWE Toronto's best brand ambassador, the living legend, Sima. Come see Second Mike Rollins, Canada's best comedy wrestler, hot off a tour of DDT in Japan, face off against the best comedy wrestler in Taiwan and China with Sky. You'll also see the other members of Strong Hearts in Lindemann and T-Hawk. More matches are sure to be announced as the day gets closer. Finishing off this match wrestling calendar, August 11th, there's a SummerSlam viewing party at Finn McCool's in Guelph, hosted by Scott Hunter and The Muscle. August 18th, Proving Grounds in Burlington, Ontario. At the Austrian Continental Club. That happens at 4 p.m. on Sunday, August 18th. Then, on Saturday, August 24th, Born to be Wild, Smash TV taping right here in London, Ontario, at the London Music Hall. We know that Gail Kim will be in attendance and will be a special guest referee for a match yet to be announced. Plus, it was also mentioned that Kevin Bennett provided he's still the champion, will defend it against Tarek in their return here to London. For more information on all these different cards, you can go to the Smash Wrestling Facebook page, go directly to the Smash Wrestling website at smash-wrestling.com, where you can also buy your tickets, plus stay up to date on our Facebook page and right here on the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. Taking a quick look at everything going on with the G1 Climax for New Japan Pro Wrestling, last weekend they had their Dallas show, and the Gorillas of Destinies beat Rapungi 3K. Jeff Cobb and Ren Narita beat Ishii and Umino. Goto and Yoshihashi beat Jay White and Chase Owens. Juice Robinson, Juice and Thunder Liger, and Toro Yano beat Naito, Takagi, and Bushi. As far as the tournament goes, the A bracket did their first round matches with Lance Archer beating Will Ospreay. Bad Luck Fale defeated Evil. Sonata defeated Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta defeated Kota Ibushi, and Okada defeated Tanahashi. Looking at upcoming schedule for the G1 Climax, Block B on July 13th has Juice Robinson against Takagi, Ishii against Jeff Cobb, Toriyano against Naito, Goto against Jay White, and John Moxley against Tai Chi. Block A will be on July 14th. Block B on July 15th. Block A on July 18th. Block B on July 19th. Block A on July 20th. Block B on J- July 24th. Block A again on July 27th. Block B on July 28th. Block A on July 30th, 
Block B on August 1st. Block A on August 3rd. Block B on August 4th. Block A on August 7th. Block B on August 8th. August 10th will be Block A, with the 11th being Block B. The finals happen on Monday, August 12th in Tokyo, with the winner from Block A taking on the winner from Block B. We'll keep you up to date with the results from the different blocks and the different days as they progress throughout the G1 tournament. And now let's look at what happened last weekend as Slammiversary 17, presented by Impact Wrestling, happened on July 7th in Dallas, Texas, from Galleys. Willie Mack defeated Jake Kreese, TJP, and Trey Miguel in a fatal four-way match that was TJP Open Challenge. The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, defeated LAX and the Rascals to retain the Impact Wrestling World Tag Team titles. Eddie Edwards defeated Killer Cross in a first blood match. Moose defeated RVD in a singles match. Taya Valkyrie retained her Impact Wrestling Knockouts Championship over Jessica Havoc, Rosemary, and Sue Young in a four-way Monsters Ball match. Rich Swan retained his Impact Wrestling X Division Championship over Johnny Impact. Brian Cage retained the Impact Wrestling World Championship over Michael Elgin. And the main event was an intergender match featuring Sammy Callahan defeating Tessa Blanchard. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. This weekend, you have the opportunity to catch three big events streaming, whether it's on BR Live or WWE Network. On the WWE Network on Saturday, July 13th, you'll be able to see Evolve's 10th anniversary show. Some of the matches that are going to be scheduled include Brandy Lauren against Shotzi Blackheart, Eddie Kingston and Joe Gracie defending the Tag Team Championships against A.R. Fox and Leon Ruff. Kurt Stallion, Sean Maluda, Stephen Wolf, and Harlan Bravado will battle a fatal four-way match. In a special challenge match, Baba Tunde takes on Colby Carino. Anthony Henry takes on Arturo Ross in a grudge match. J.D. Drake, the current champion for WWN, faces off against Austin Theory, the current Evolve Championship. It'll be a winner-takes-all for both the WWN Championship and the Evolve Championship. Josh Briggs takes on Anthony Green in a Futures Now Showcase match. We saw both those guys at the Northern Tournament this year for Smash Wrestling. Drew Gulak will take on Matt Riddle in a singles match. And the main event will see Adam Cole defend the NXT Championship against Akira Tozawa. That happens on the WWE Network this Saturday. That show, unfortunately, 
won't get as many viewers as AEW's third presentation to the fans for Fight for the Fallen. The show takes place on July 13th from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. AEW has stated that all of the event's proceeds will be donated to victims of gun violence. A couple of these matches have been set up during their previous events of Double or Nothing and Fighter Fest. Plus, clips that have happened on YouTube with Being the Elite. You can stream it on BR Live, or if you're overseas, you can buy it on Fight uh, TV app. So we're going to run down some of the matches. I'll give you my predictions for it. There's going to be a buy-in as well. Once again, they're pre-show. And currently there's eight matches, including the two buy-in matches. Sunny Kiss is scheduled to go against Peter Avalon. He's one of the librarians, along with Leva Bates. Hopefully, what they did when Leva took on Allie at Fighter Fest, they learned not to do again at Fight for the Fallen with the librarian shtick, which didn't really get over well. I see Sunny Kiss picking up the victory in this one-on-one match. Then Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela, three guys who love going hardcore, are going to take on MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears. That side of the ring has a lot of uh, ego going on, especially with MJF and Sean Spears. So I'm not sure how well they're going to get along. Plus, with the other side really loving the hardcore style of wrestling, I can see a lot of weapons coming out in it and having Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela picking up the victory. Well, most likely open the show is Sal Kyle Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, with Christopher Daniels by their side, taking on the Lucha Brothers of Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. I see the Lucha Brothers picking up the victory here. The Dark Order, as we here in Ontario, we call them the Super Smash Brothers, but the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, will take on Angelico and Jack Evans, plus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in a three-way tag team match. The winners of this match will advance to All Out at the end of August for an opportunity for a first-round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. They'll end up facing off against best friends who won the similar triple threat match at Fighter Fest to earn a potential buy. As far as who I see winning and going up against best friends at All Out, it's kind of a tough one. I could kind of see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus doing it uh, just because of the way they've been presented. But going also with the way they've been presented from the start, this would be a perfect opportunity for the Dark Order to pick up the victory and then go up against Best Friends because if I remember right, at Double or Nothing, that's when the Dark Order first made their appearance with the minions beating up 
Angelico, Jack Evans, and the best friends. So this would actually make sense storyline-wise. So I'm going to pick the Dark Order. Adam Page is going to take on Chris Sabian in a singles match as Page won the Fatal 4-Way at Fighter Fest. Page is also the number one contender for the first ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion. So I don't know how they could actually have Adam Page lose, especially to Kip Sabian. Uh, it'd be a huge match for Sabian to win. The only way it's possible is if uh, Chris Jericho, who is scheduled to be in attendance, does actually make an appearance and distract or help Sabian win just to get into the mind of Adam Page. But at the same time, if AEW is looking to do a scenario where actual wins matter and have it more sports-oriented, got to go with Adam Page either way, and then confronting Jericho uh, in some manner in the show. Brandy Rhodes is going to take on Allie in a singles match. This one's interesting to uh, figure out because... Brandy probably doesn't have the best in-ring work, especially compared to somebody like Allie, who's been doing it for many years, as we know, as Cherry Bomb uh, in the independent circuit here in Ontario and recently in Impact Wrestling with her character of Allie and Demon Bunny. I see Allie getting the victory because at the same time, if... AEW doesn't want to be totally like WWE and have management and ownership winning all the time. Brandy's going to have to take the loss here, and it's not going to hurt her. Plus, as I said just a moment ago with Hangman Page, if they're looking to have legitimate win-loss records and make it mean something, Having Allie get a second victory puts her on a win streak and sets her up for eventually somebody else, whether it's a Brett Baker or Kylie Ray, where they would end up having a built-up streak and finally their paths crossing at one point during the year. Wins and losses are going to matter, so Allie needs this victory. Kenny Omega is going to take on OWE SEMA, and it's going to be a really good match. Plus, then SEMA is going to come to uh, Toronto to go against Sebastian Suave on August 10th in the afternoon. So, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this match. As we know, Kenny Omega is coming to London for London Comic Con in October. So, these guys I'm going to get to see live one way or another, and these they're going against each other. Uh, Kenny Omega will probably get the victory, I'm thinking. Uh, they'll give him momentum as he moves forward. Uh, I can see some sort of video being shown since John Moxley is actually going to be in Japan uh, doing Block B of uh, the G1 tournament. 
So he definitely will not be in attendance at Fighter Fest, or Fight for the Fallen, should I say. And they got to spark something, at least do the video and create more drama leading to All Out when they go against each other one-on-one. If the Omega match is not the main event, then the obvious main event would be the last match that I have not uh, covered yet, and that's Cody and Dustin Rhodes taking on the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. A battle of the brothers going on, uh, some really close friends as far as the Bucks and Cody go, and we saw at Double or Nothing the emotion that happened when Cody and Dustin finished their match, and Cody wanted Dustin as his tag team partner. I think it would make an interesting story, uh, giving them a victory in Cody and Dustin, sealing more brotherly love, which down the road when it is time for Dustin to hang it up and not be uh, competing anymore, whether he's still doing or going to be doing a uh, training school uh, for AEW, or not, which rumors have it, have this built-up family dynamic, and then when Dustin's ready to go, Cody turns on him and puts him out to pasture. Uh, You build up the drama with what happened in Double or Nothing and keep the brothers strong until all of a sudden Dustin becomes a liability to the ambitions of Cody Rhodes. So that's Fight for the Fallen, a charity event where money is going to be donated to victims of gun violence. It's happening in Jacksonville, Florida at Dally's Amphitheater in Jacksonville, Florida. It's available on BR Live app for free in North America. And if you're outside North America, you can always order it for like $9 or something like that on the Fight TV app. That's F-I-T-E app. So after Fight for the Fallen, well, you're going to go into All Out. AEW's going to have about six to seven weeks to do some build-up, whether it's on their YouTube channel or definitely at Fight for the Fallen for their next event, which is All Out. Currently, two matches have been announced, and that's John Moxley against Kenny Omega and Adam Page against Chris Jericho, and that will determine the first AEW World Champion. All Out is happening at the same site as All In last year. It's August 31st, though. Hoffman Estates, Illinois, at the Sears Center. Plus, Darkcast 3 is going to be there, and they've already announced that John Moxley is going to be a panel with Jim Ross, So all those tickets are available in Chicago, Labor Day weekend. You won't want to miss it. Hey, it's Jody Thread, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. In WDEs, Raw was kind of lackluster this week. Didn't seem as though Paul Heyman had much touch on it. It was more of a Vince McMahon show than uh, Paul Heyman, and it kind of showed Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch 
defeated Andrade and Zelina Vega in a mixed tag team elimination match. The Miz and the Usos defeated Raw Tag Team Champions The Revival and Elias in a 203 Falls match. Bobby Lashley basically destroyed Rey Mysterio in his return in an open challenge. Cesaro defeated No Way Jose. The Viking Raiders defeated Colin Justin and Devin Justin. The United States champion Ricochet defeated Luke Gallows and then had to go on to face off against Carl Anderson and beat him as well. But the numbers were too much and he got beat up really well by the club because AJ Styles uh, took advantage of a tired Ricochet. Jake Maverick survived the night as the 24-7 champion. Nikki Cross defeated SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey and beat the clock challenge to choose the stipulation for Bailey against Alexa Bliss at Extreme Rules. Bailey had to go against Sarah Logan and ended up beating her in like three to four minutes ish, but Mickey Cross ended up going against Dana Brooke and beat her with still about a minute and a half left in the clock. When there was a confrontation between Bailey and Nikki Cross, Nikki chose the stipulation as now being a two-on-one handicap match in favor of herself and Alexa going for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So there'll be a two-on-one handicap match with Bailey defending. And the night wrapped up with Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre defeating Roman Reigns and Gary the Goat Garbutt. Shane got to choose Roman's tag team partner, and they found a janitor of the arena who had a limp to him uh, backstage and then ended up selecting him as Roman's tag team partner. Gary the Goat came out in a mask and it was later revealed that it really wasn't Gary the Goat underneath the mask as it was Cedric Alexander who was ended up hitting some big spots on both Shane and Drew, but it wasn't enough and he took the loss for his team with Roman Reigns. SmackDown was definitely the better show this week, even though Eric Bischoff has yet to officially move into his new role as him and his family are still moving from Wyoming to Stanford, Connecticut. And so, as he said on his podcast, 83 Weeks, that he's actually just picking up almost only his clothing and starting off new uh, to take over this role as leading uh, SmackDown Live as it gets ready to go to Fox. The show opened with a confrontation earlier in the day between Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens in the parking lot. It became a brawl and Shane McMahon canceled their main event match that was supposed to happen against each other and kicked Kevin Owens out of the building. Of course, that didn't last. As the show officially started, Kevin came through the crowd and started calling out Shane McMahon. Shane came out, cut off his microphones, 
sent out security. Owens went back through the crowd and apparently left the building. And that started off the show. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Finn Balor in what was labeled as their first time ever in a SmackDown ring because I believe they went against each other in New Japan. Bailey and Nikki Cross signed the contract for the SmackDown women's title as it's now, as I said, a handicap match at Extreme Rules. Nikki Cross then defeated Carmilla. Insults were slung uh, during the first ever uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championship Summit involving Daniel Bryan and Roman, The New Day, and Heavy Machinery. Otis then went on to defeat Xavier Woods and Daniel Bryan in a triple threat uh, match sort of to highlight what's going to happen on Sunday. And Roman Reigns defeated Dolph Ziggler because that was the new main event with Dolph Ziggler basically doing Shane McMahon's bidding for him. And that takes us into Extreme Rules, which is going to happen this Sunday, July 14th, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Wells Fargo Center. So, what better place to put on an extreme pay-per-view than in the city of extreme Philadelphia. There'll be the regular pre-show, which unfortunately no matches have been announced for it, though more than likely it's going to be the Cruiserweight Championship that gets put into the pre-show, so it won't be a surprise. Anyways, there's 10 matches on the card at the moment, and I'm going to run down the... Uh, matches and give my picks for what I hope to see. Got Braun Strowman taking on Bobby Lashley in a last man standing match. I'm personally tired of these guys matching up against each other. Lashley's uh, return has been very lackluster and it's been well over a year since he returned. Braun Strowman has so many stop and starts, whether it's due to injury or somebody behind the scenes not liking an attitude that Braun is displaying should be a decent match, hard hitting after what we saw uh, them go through the Titan Tron a couple of weeks ago. Of course, Lashley was the one speared through the set, but he came out less injured than Braun Strowman in WD logic. Um, I know Braun Strowman was dealing with an injury, so that's why he was written out. Maybe they should have reversed their roles, but it is what it is. I'm going to go with Braun Strowman picking up the victory and hopefully moving on from this never-ending battle with Bobby Lashley. The Revival are going to defend their Raw Tag Team Championships against the Usos. These two teams are really good. They work great against each other. I do not see it being the time for the Usos to get their, what would it be, seventh or eighth tag team title? I'm not sure. It could be up to seven at least. Um, the Revival need to actually have matches and retain their titles not just some dark match or quick flip of the titles. If they hope to convince 
Dawson and Wilder to stay in WWE and not jump ship to AEW. They kind of need to highlight them, sort of like what they're doing with Gallows and Anderson, with them being re-signed. Ricochet is uh, going to defend the U.S. title against AJ Styles. AJ has held the titles in WWE for multiple days at a time, whether it's the WWE Championship or even the U.S. title. Ricochet needs to be highlighted. AJ Styles can do that for him, and Ricochet should retain the championship. Whether it's due to a disqualification because the good brothers get involved and there's more beatdown, I don't know, but I can see Ricochet retaining the title. Aleister Black finally figured out who knocked on his door in a bizarre Nicky Nicky Nine Doors why his person was not standing in front of the door when it was opened. It's beyond me, but they finally did pull the trigger, and it is Cesaro who will be facing off against Aleister Black. Some people thought it was going to be Randy Orton. There had been heavy rumors it was going to be Cesaro anyway, so it was or is going to be Cesaro. This is going to be a really good match between these two. I think they're going to be fairly well balanced in uh, their approach to the match. Uh, Their skill levels, their toughness. It could end up being a bit like Sheamus and Cesaro when they battled each other a couple years ago before forming the bar. I do not see these two forming any sort of tag team. But if they're going to give any sort of push to Cesaro, they can't have him lose, but they also can't have Aleister Black lose when he's been waiting all this time to get a challenger. The only way it makes sense to me is somehow, um, it doesn't look like it's there's any stipulation to it. So if there's some sort of, just double disqualification in a extreme rules pay-per-view of all things, but some sort of double disqualification where these two just refuse to listen to the referee and there is no winner, no loser. And we continue to brawl further and advance to whether it's SummerSlam or beyond that. That's my prediction actually is that there is no winner or loser. Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan are going to defend the SmackDown Tag Team titles against The New Day and Heavy Machinery. With Otis picking up the victory, Heavy Machinery somewhat have the momentum that uh, WWE likes to talk about going into a challenge of a for a title or just a match itself on pay-per-view. I don't think it's enough momentum to take the titles off of Brian and Rowan yet. So I'm picking the titles to stay put on Dan O'Brien and Eric Rowan. Drew Gulak is going to go against Tony Nese. Uh, This was not an automatic uh, rematch for the Cruiserweight Championship that Tony Nese ideally should have gotten. But in an age where McMahon's have said, There are no automatic rematch uh, going on. 
Tony Nese actually had to defeat Akira Tozawa to get this title shot. He did so on 205 Live, and he's going to go against Drew Gulak for the Cruiserweight Championship. Even though Nice was not pinned to lose his title, this time he will be pinned or submitted by Drew Gulak, and Gulak will retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Kofi Kingston is set to defend the WWE Championship against Samoa Joe. Joe is an incredible guy. Uh, he's definitely main event caliber. He probably should be the WWE Champion, but I don't know if, who is going to take it off of Kofi, but whoever it is is going to get a huge rub when it does happen because of the buildup that the fans gave to Kofi to get his match at WrestleMania and everything that happened to that, there has to be somebody who comes in and it can be devastating to Kofi to take that title. Could it be Joe? Any day it could be Joe, but I don't think it's going to be Kofi retains the WWE Championship. The Undertaker and Roman Reigns are teaming together to go against Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. Why? That's my only question. We've just beaten Roman, Drew, and Shane McMahon to death. No pun intended with The Undertaker being in there. I guess Taker's looking to redeem himself from his horrible Goldberg experience at uh, Super Showdown. So teaming with Roman could hopefully help, could also help uh, cover up any uh, slowness that The Undertaker now has and maintain his dignity and not embarrass himself. Rumor has it that this is going to lead to an Undertaker versus Drew McIntyre match, possibly a casket match at SummerSlam. Where that takes Roman beyond this is beyond me. And Kevin Owens just recently stunned Shane McMahon on SmackDown. And, uh, yeah, they're looking to use that and hopefully get rid of Shane eventually off TV. And uh, so Owens could get involved. I see the team of Roman and Undertaker getting the victory. I'm going to go with the WWE Women's SmackDown Championship match with Bailey defending in a handicap match against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Rumors have been circulating that Sasha Banks could be back in time, uh, could be as early as this Sunday at Extreme Rules, but there's been a leaked uh, graphic of SummerSlam, and Sasha Banks is on it. Um, so it kind of makes it seem as though they figured everything out with her, and she's coming back. Plus, if you follow anything of hers on Twitter, you've seen that she's dyed her hair back purple, and has been in Japan doing some training. So this would be the opportunity for her to come back. She could help even out the sides with uh, the fact that it is a handicap match. I see Bailey retaining. Now here's some messed up 
long-term booking or short-term booking in a way that fantasy booking that I'm going to put out there that could happen on this show. Somehow they have to get to Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss feuding with each other because we know clearly that Nikki is being used by Alexa. So somehow in the loss and retention by Bailey, there's an issue between Alexa and Nikki Cross. Could be to the fact that Alexa attacks Nikki for failing her and not getting her the championship. So that right there, you get Alexa going after Nikki Cross, where then Bailey could step in to defend and stop Alexa from beating up on Nikki. And that's where Sasha attacks Bailey, and you get somewhat of an unholy alliance between Sasha and Alexa beating down Bailey and Nikki to end that whole segment with them and their match. That'll set up the two feuds, one on Raw, one on SmackDown, with Alexa and Nikki on Raw, and Bailey and Sasha finally battling each other with uh, Sasha saying that Bailey just went on without her and won the championship and she felt left behind by her best friend and they can go into SummerSlam against each other, which hopefully they can do something like they did with NXT and have enough time to put on a really good match. Like I said, kind of crazy, but I'm going with that scenario. And the main event for Extreme Rules, we'll see Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch defending their Universal and Raw Women's titles against Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin. Why Baron and Lacey are in a main event of any pay-per-view is beyond me. This is under extreme rules, so at least this mixed tag won't really be mixed tag. It'll be more of a tornado between all of them. However, the rules have it that if either Lacey or Baron get a victory, they both get the titles from Seth and Becky. Obviously, I don't see that happening. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are the poster children for WD right now. And to take the titles off them and put on these two useless wastes of space and TV time in Lacey and Baron is utterly ridiculous. I'm hoping some hands like Paul Heyman are involved with this pay-per-view and it turns out better than this past Monday Night Raw. Uh, those are my predictions. As a, If I missed it, Seth and Becky will win. So those are my predictions for Extreme Rules this Sunday on the WWE Network pre-show. And then the regular show happening, I believe, at 7. Thank you once again for joining me on this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. 
As I said, there was a lot going on. I hope you enjoy the G1 tournament from New Japan. AEW's Fight for the Fallen evolves 10th anniversary. WWE Extreme Rules. And of course, be sure to join us in Dresden, Ontario this Saturday. Supporting the Junior Kings hockey team and seeing some great Smash Wrestling action. Share this podcast with your friends, because I'm sure somewhere they're listening to podcasts, and we're going to be on it. You can also suggest that they look for us on PodCoin, where you can earn money just for listening to this podcast, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, plus contact me on our Facebook page, or email me, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. We love talking wrestling. We love having you here. Join the conversation each and every day. And until next time, have a great week.